What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. It's Monday. You know what that means. I am bringing you another installment of our Modern Day Marketer series. This time, I am talking with Jonathan about frictionless content. What is frictionless content? How should we be thinking about it? What are we doing at The Juice to power it? There's a lot of meat on this bone in a short conversation. One thing that I just wanted to talk about up front, if you go sign up for The Juice right now, our product team did something pretty badass that I want to call out. They have right there on the sign-up page the amount of forms that we have filled out on your behalf so you don't have to. It's a tracker. It is fun. Right now, it is at 8,243 forms. Do we like marketing forms? Hell no. Not good. We'll be doing everything we can to continue to go to war against the form, and that is a good dovetail into this conversation about frictionless content. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you tell a damn content friend that you're enjoying the 3C podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I was just telling Jonathan before we were hopping on, looking at the numbers, People enjoy the Monday episode, so thank you for stopping by, listening to what we have to say at The Juice. We appreciate that. Today, we are going to be talking about frictionless content. Um, It is a topic that is near and dear to our hearts and something that we align with the Modern Day Marketer. We've been doing these episodes. This is the ninth installment, which is kind of wild, talking about traits that represent the Modern Day Marketer. In case you missed it, we put out an ebook our first ebook at the juice last week regarding kind of the quality versus quantity debate had 14 modern day marketers help put that together. You can find it at the juice, sign up the Yeah. And it's great. And we got a great response and that was um, based on an episode that we did last week. So that is something that we will continue to do. We're going to talk about frictionless content. Jonathan, I know you have some energy behind it, but before we get started, how are you doing? I'm doing well. This feels like an episode where I'm going to end up ranting again, so we'll save that for later. Uh, I appreciate you taking the podcast solo last week because I was under the weather, so thank you for that. I'm excited to be back in the podcasting seat. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and I would echo your sentiment to go download that ebook, uh, go to the juice and grab it. You know, I'm not suggesting you need to sit down and read all 14 collaborators content right this minute, uh, the second you download it, but divide it up, you know, spend December kind of reading your way through it. There are just so many good nuggets and just inspiration for whether you're doing next year's annual planning or budgeting or just kind of thoughtfulness that comes around this time of year where I think we all slow down and become a little bit more introspective just really well-timed kind of advice and nuggets and wisdom on content marketing from some awesome marketers and kudos to you, Brett, for orchestrating all of that. Uh, You made it look easy, which I know it was not. So really proud of that. As I I post on LinkedIn, we're, we're a content market, we're selling a content marketing platform to content marketers uh, to help them with content marketing, uh, which is a lot of words to say uh, we have to be really good at content marketing ourselves. And this is our first step in that direction. And you and we are, should be, and are really proud of what we produced. Yeah. And you led with it and it's kind of a good segue. You said, download it. And I think what was fun about writing some of the copy and promotion for this piece was I had to put a little PS in there and say, Hey, don't worry. You're not going to have to fill out some silly bullshit form and you're not going to have to be put into some 
aimless marketing cadence and someone's going to call you a bunch of times. What we want to do is just make the content easy and accessible and just get eyeballs on it. And the, the goal really of it for, for me as I was organizing it is start sharing some perspective from people who I'm communicating with on a regular basis, who I think kind of come from a place of abundance, who aren't doing marketing like we were doing marketing in 2013. So let's start there maybe, Jonathan. Frictionless content. Like, what is it? I know you, you, you're helping drive this business and that's something we want to kind of host on our platform and have the conversation be more prevalent. But I guess just starting there, like what's frictionless content to you? Man, where to start? I have so much energy around this topic. What I, I shared kind of in the early days of, of even building the vision for the juice uh, was that nobody in the history of the internet has come across a form for content and been looking forward to that experience or been relieved that they have to fill out a form. Like, what are we doing? There's no, there's nothing else in media, in retail, in consumer experiences where uh, we put people through this exercise, this rigor of filling out a form and then all of the bullshit that comes with the backside of that form of now you're in a drip campaign. Now an SDR is calling you. Now uh, you're subscribed to their emails. Like you've opted into their cookies. Like what, what are we doing? Uh, it's just crazy. I have to give uh, Rebecca Reynoso. Uh, I, I don't know her personally. I, I think I follow her on Twitter. She tweeted out something last week that I just, I absolutely love. And there's, there's all sorts of good takes similar to this out there, but uh, I shared this with the team last week in, in our Slack channel that she said, and she's a blog editor at MuleSoft, it looks like. And she said, don't create content that people have to sign up for, paywall or gated content to read. Create content so good that people want to sign up for it and be notified when new content is released. I just like, it's just such a paradigm shift. And, and so many people, I think so many marketers, even marketers who are creating these friction filled experiences, know. It's not what their readers want, but it's what their bosses demand, or it's what their bosses' bosses demand, or it's what the boardroom demands. Um, and there's just, there's just a better way. And it, it's crazy that we're still doing it in the B2B space. Uh, I think it's really kind of the only space where we're doing it. And, and that's what the juice wants to help fix. One last thing I'll, I'll kind of say on this, and then I'll, I'll keep ranting probably on, on the next question, but nobody wants to be a lead. I don't think like People are either in a buying process and a buyer, or they're not in the buying process. I think 95% of people engaging with content are in the buying process, but we treat them all like they are. Nobody wants to be a lead. So like let them let your content educate them to the point where they become a buyer instead of like forcing them through this lead exercise that is just it's garbage. And again, this this is you, I hope my energy uh, and my passion and rage comes through, but it's that same energy that's led us to build the juice. And uh, we're going to, we're going to change it for everybody involved. We're getting some of that passion and energy out. We're in, we're just getting started in the conversation, which is good. You said something in there that I want to focus in on. And that is kind of the, it's what our boss and what our boss's boss do does or did. And that's I stole what, that line from you. So don't give me too much credit for it. Yes, I've been. It strikes a nerve because I think I have felt that, and I know in talking with a lot of content people today, they feel that where it's like, 
all right, like I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm in these Slack communities. Like I know how I want to receive content when I got my content marketer work hat off. Now, when I plug in, whether it's working from home, going into the office or whatever, I'm doing something that's completely opposite from how I want to how I want to be uh, delivered content. And I, I think it comes from a place of, and this is feedback I've gotten directly from the market is that I feel stuck. I feel like this is what my boss is telling me to do. And I feel that way because this is how their boss is telling them to do, because this is kind of how they moved up the B2B SaaS ladder is by running this playbook, doing it well, refining it, but not changing it. And so the more I hear that feedback, like our opportunity, I think is just like, and many other opportunity, people's opportunities out there is like, we got to break this system. We got to break this cycle of doing this stuff we know is wrong, but it's just there because it's made people successful. So that's a big topic. Like, and it's really like hard, I think, to take a junior level content marketer who sees this and encourage them to go have that conversation with their manager or with their manager's manager. What's your, what is your perspective on that? Like, is it like, I view that person who sees it and wants to apply it like the new way as the modern day marketer. But I know there's a lot of challenges that come with changing that internally. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on just that dynamic? My thought is shit, Brett. I am that person, that boss or that boss's boss. I admittedly, I was I, I don't know, maybe this is going to sound arrogant. So good at demand generation and turning it into a formula. I, at previous stops in my career, I've known exactly what our conversion rate is on a form. I've known exactly how many that means. So I, I would just re-engineer the whole process. I know what we need from a lead perspective. So I, we need this many people to fill out the form. I know what our conversion rate is from an impression to a form fill. I know what our cost per impression is to drive an impression to our website. And we would just reverse engineer that all the way to the top. And I would be able to say, this is what our marketing budget is. This is what we need to hit that lead goal. And I was very formulaic about it. my background is data. So I, I love that stuff. And then I love testing that and optimizing that. We'd have, we know what our cost per impression is. We know what we build our model around, cost per impression, conversion rates. We'd budget around that. And then we'd try to beat all those metrics, right? So now all of a sudden, if we can have a better conversion rate, a better cost per impression rate, then we're, we're getting that bonus, that gravy on top of the model, right? And I was, I was so good at that. And I think I still could be. But what happens is, guess what? We were doing that and uh, we were missing sales goals quarter over quarter. The leads were trash, right? Like, not all of them, but they weren't converting. The, the, the outcome of creating a lead, you know, they weren't quality. The leads weren't turning into sales. But we were, we were checking the box. We were checking the lead box. And I, I think more importantly, what we weren't doing is we weren't building like brand advocates or building relationships with people. We were just pushing them through that model that we had like a well-oiled machine. And uh, like I said, checking the box and putting a green, green bubble on our scorecard and everyone was happy, right? Except for our sales team. So I, there's just like, that's such a transactional relationship. And I think, again, the friction that's in the relationship turns it into... There makes it a lack of relationship, right? Because you're just you're just hoping to get their email address and where they work, and then you can drop them into your uh, sales offices, and you don't care to ever get to know them. Where I think if you can build community, which we've talked about in this podcast, and if you can collaborate with which we've talked about in this podcast, like you're going to build so much more value 
it's going to be a little bit more difficult to measure. It's going to be a little bit more difficult to build models or formulas around. But I think that's okay because the outcome of that is better value for your business. Jay Akunzo, who we, we have the benefit of partnering with, he talks about straightening the funnel, right? Like maybe your top of funnel doesn't need to be so wide. Maybe your funnel doesn't even need to be funnel shaped. Maybe if your top of funnel is narrower, but you're building better relationships, the bottom of your funnel is wider, right? So that visual is more of a straight funnel as opposed to the traditional B2B funnel. So that's my second rant. I think I'm two for two on the questions you've asked. I love the green bubble and I hate the green bubble at the same time. Uh, the green bubble represents marketing feeling good about what they're doing. But then on the back end, it's like sales says, this, these suck. Like we're not winning any deals because of what you're doing. And I think so much about marketing today is not just about marketing. It's about the experience and marketing isn't just responsible for the experience. Sales is, customer success is. And so I think kind of zooming out from content, just thinking about the role of the modern day marketer. It's like, we, how can I, as a marketer, create a better experience for the individual who enters the periphery of my brand while also working with my sales team and my customer success team to make sure that whole process is streamlined. And when someone comes in and reads a ebook that doesn't have a form and feels inspired and then goes digs into the the juice or digs into your website. I'm using us as the example yeah. and, and wants to learn more about your product. It doesn't feel funny when it reaches the sales team. So frictionless content, I think has a lot of implications across the entire business. What are your thoughts on just that? And just like the, the opportunity it can provide to kind of break down some internal silos and start creating better experience for those people coming in and checking out what you're doing. I'm on our last podcast. I referenced Mitch Causey, uh, one of my marketing colleagues. I, I don't know. A lot of plugs here for demand. Well, yeah. Uh, on this podcast, I'll, I'll maybe uh, call out another one of them. Kyle Lacey, who's at Seismic, uh, formerly Lessonly, uh, pretty popular in the marketing community, but he, he always, evangelizes about marketing should be measured by revenue generation. And I think I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think generally, like if you're hitting your revenue targets, like it, the rest of the business doesn't really matter, like how you're doing it, right? Like that's kind of the end all be all for so many people in the B2B space. Um, I think for different businesses, it could be different things, but I think like that's, if you can find a way to help your sales team hit their revenue target, how you get there, like, people, you'll get a lot less questions about how many leads did we get? How many impressions did we get? How many downloads did we get? Like, and I think the way you build revenue is by building relationships and friction is not the way to build those relationships. So I think uh, there's a, there has to be a happy medium. And we talked about this at our launch event, like it's not about quantity, but it is, there is some amount of quantification that needs to happen. I think that comes through in revenue. And I, again, I'm always a big fan. It's just the way my twisted head works and kind of reverse engineering that we hit our revenue. How did we do that? Who were those people that helped us hit that? Were they a part of our uh, kind of brand community or our audience that we're building or the touch points they had? And how do we create more of those touch points? I think what I've learned in my marketing career, and I think what a lot of marketers out there understand and know is that oftentimes those touch points aren't things that add friction to the buying process. They're touch points that accelerate the buying process. So that that's kind of where my mind goes. Maybe a little bit squishier advice there, but I think tie everything to revenue and then start reverse engineering, looking for those touch points where 
your brand can have an opportunity to impact them. One thing we you've mentioned just in your responses a lot is, and you even admitted to it as like a data guy, is like this attribution tracking and just measuring every little thing and based on performance. And I think the spreadsheets start, spreadsheets happen from the individual to the team and then the team to leadership and then the leadership to the boardroom. This is how we communicate in SaaS is through these numbers, which the numbers matter. And I think what I'm hearing is maybe worry less about all the the nooks, nooks and crannies and all the little rabbit holes of things that we could be measuring and just focus on maybe what matters most and that that is revenue. I think just I'd love to maybe get your perspective on the fact that where marketing has been has been a lot about this like attribution tracking, credit, like let's measure all these things. And you admitted to yourself that like you realize like none of the things that we might have been tracking in the past at previous stops mattered as much because it wasn't making our sales team, giving our sales team something to, you know, have a successful conversation and drive pipeline. So I think we're moving, we are saying move away from measuring everything and move into maybe more seeing and feeling in this relationship component of it. And I think that's right, just based on the way consumer expectations and everything has changed. I guess, how would you advise like a modern day marketer to have a conversation with their boss about starting to let things play out a little bit over a period of time and and not be so like knee jerk measure every little thing that we're doing? Like what kind of advice would you have for that individual? My first advice would be don't talk to your boss first, talk to your sales colleague first, your sales leader that you're likely supporting, or, you know, maybe it's your manager that connects with the sales team. I'd talk to the sales team first would be my advice. I think you'll, you'll, the best kind of marketing engine we've ever created was also convenient, not conveniently, but I think correlated to the best relationship I've ever had with a sales leader. And um, I think that would be my first advice. And then back into what's right from that point. It is, it's a little bit like personally challenging for me because as I referenced, like the attribution is something that like I am good at, I think, or at least like I'm, it's, it's, it's almost like it's able to be manipulated, right? Like there is no perfect attribution system. You can make numbers say a lot of different things. If you're good with numbers, it's just, it feels like a game we're all playing, right? Like to make, X plus Y equals Z. And there is some of that. And I think, I, I don't want to say like attribution is bad in and of itself, but I think some of the experiences we put our audience through, our, our future customers through are bad for the sake of attribution, because that's what we're trying to do, right? It's self-serving. You call it me-centered marketing. We're trying to hit our goals. We're not thinking about the goals of the future customer or the prospect we're putting them through friction-filled experiences because we're prioritizing our experience and our role and our goals over the goals of the person engaging with your content. Yeah. So I want to, I want to close out with this. I think the the idea of like making yourself and what you're doing, being a little vulnerable, I think with the old way and having everything measured, tracked, you said you, you kind of had a system and you could see those numbers coming in and it made you feel good because you knew what to expect. 
I think the new way is maybe like embracing a little vulnerability where it's like, all right, like I need to focus on the quality of what I create because I'm making it accessible for everyone. And I know that by making it accessible to everyone and making it frictionless that I'm not going to be able to track every little thing, but I know it gives me as a marketer a better op- a better chance or better odds for that piece to end up in front of the right person. And if we are creating really good content, then hopefully that inspires them to go check out our website, go ask a friend about what we're doing, that sort of thing. So I find myself in this new way or the modern way of like, all right, well, like one, let me make myself a little vulnerable about what I'm doing, but also that's a forcing mechanism to, to be, to, to focus in on creating higher quality and kind of suspending myself of saying like, if I just do this consistently over a longer period of time and be less transactional about what I'm doing, then eventually the right conversations and people will come our way. So vulnerability, long-term mindset, frictionless content, any way you want to take it. Let's close out with that. Yeah. I'll say two points. You mentioned the kind of longer time frame. Yes, I agree. We just had a sales cycle that was nine days, uh, which is a little bit kind of behind the scenes for the juice, but like, and that was somebody who I'm guessing had seen our content somewhere, became a member of the juice, thought it was cool, came to us and said, I want to be a customer of the juice. I want to use the juice. Like, and that's the buying process for B2B people, right? They, she got 95% of the way to decision-making without us and then looped us in. And it's like, great, we're ready to go. You can move fast. So I think there's a long-term investment, but I think that you, you'll see results happen quicker um, this way. So, so that's one piece. And then kind of the, the, you mentioned like quality content. I think, you know, there is probably some trade-off with quantity there as well. Jay Akonzo, again, second time I've mentioned him on this podcast, but he he shared some perspective that was a way I hadn't really thought about it previously. He used to write content that then he'd share with his marketing team and they'd put it behind a form. And he felt that was almost insulting to his writing, which is a really, I had never thought about it that way. But now I'm like, shit, he's right. Cause he's like, you don't think what I have produced from a content perspective, from a writing perspective is good enough to on stand alone on its own and turn somebody from a, a reader into a prospect or a prospect into a customer, you don't think it's good enough. So you have to put this form on it to kind of manipulate them through that process. Right. And like to him, that was the bigger red flag than anything else is that we don't think our content's good enough on its own. So we have to force people through this, you know, hook, line, and sinker experience to trick them into becoming a customer. I think that's really interesting perspective as well. Like how many people are gaining content because they're worried, like the content's not good enough on its own. And I I think that's a good introspection opportunity for a lot of markers out there too. If that's the problem, I think that's a bigger problem than gated or ungated that I think needs addressing. That's good stuff. I, I, earlier in my career, I can say I've been, I was guilty of, of that. So you may be. I, I could relate to that. And hopefully something we said out there resonates with you, the audience member, the, the market marketer uh, listening to the show. If you have something um, that you want to share feedback, we're always open to that. Definitely hit us up on Twitter. We love those types of conversations and air it out in public. Let's, let's have a chat. 
We're going to be doing more of these. This isn't stopping. Jonathan, thank you. More to come. Thank you, everyone out there listening. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Brett. A lot of passion and energy in that one. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you are thinking about your content, how you're reaching your customer, and most importantly, what that experience is behind it. Make sure you have a hell of a week. Start it strong. We appreciate you coming to us. Listen to the 3C Podcast. It means a ton. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More 3C Podcasts on Friday. You already know the drill. Take care.